Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? <laughs> That's inward screaming right there. That was my reaction to uh, finding, finding out that we have some new podcast competition coming our way. Uh, saw an article from, from Politico uh, a little couple hours ago. Headline, coming to a podcast near you, Hillary Clinton. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, this, is, this, is, this is the worst. Um, my only goal in life is is for us to get more plays each week than our stupid little shitty podcast that nobody will nope, fucking listen to. No, nope, never going to happen. It's going to be... So I read this, this political article, and it's like she has now fallen in love with like long format interviews um, because of, because of Howard Stern who fucking used to, you know, be like the, like the, you know, the, you know, let's talk about sex all the time guy. And now it's like, Oh yes. Yes. You know, Madam secretary, Madam president, you know, he's all total fucking bootlicker now. And also apparently because of Conan O'Brien, she went on his podcast and she liked it and now she loves it. Um, so there was a quote from a, a unnamed source because apparently this is like a high, you know, high security thing they're talking about. Um, so this this quote just it, it's like it sounds like a PR person pretending mm-hmm. to just be like a random friend of Hillary, right? Uh, but just you know, this the, the sentence structure is just it's so market test and focus group. So listen to this. Conan just exudes enthusiasm about his platform, and he does these interviews that are really evergreen. And the idea with her, in part inspired by that experience, is to do the same thing. Said a close person... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Said a person close to Clinton. That's, that's who's God. saying this. Just a random person. Quote, She wants to try to have a wider-ranging conversation that will be lasting, so you can listen to it in a year, or you can listen to it tomorrow, and it will be interesting. And then, of course... She'll do some ranting and some raving about the news of the day. <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that sound exciting, everybody? Doesn't, oh, I mean, all, all you God. fans of Terry you know, Gross out there, Fresh to, to Terry, me, you can fucking tune into this fucking bullshit. I got to say, though, this is, this is like endless podcast fodder for us. Like, this is probably every week I'm going to have to comb through this fucking dumpster fire to find the, the clip that we're going to talk about. Because I'm sure there's going to be something every week where she's <sighs> like, you know, and let me tell you something else about Bernie Sanders, okay? And and then just go off on a ten minute fucking unhinged, fact free rant about Bernie, and and you know, she's gonna lose her. I, I, this is great because if she does this in time for Bernie winning the nomination, her fucking meltdown on the podcast is gonna be glorious. Like I, I, we're just gonna play. We're not even gonna release an episode that week. We're just gonna release her meltdown as our episode for the week. And like yeah, just, we'll just us do laughing clips under it. of her uh, and, and us just responding to her. It'll just be. Uh, our podcast will just become a, a mocking Hillary's podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast. Uh, and, and you know, it's it, this is because, like, you know, she tried to do these, you know, um, this, this this tour the around the country, and heard, yeah, yeah, and they downs. couldn't sell any tickets for it, so it got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and just just that, like God, you know, you you know that they blame that on who got probably Jill Stein, fucking Russian bots, and whoever <laughs> the, the Russians. The Russians bought up all the seats and didn't sit anyone in. <sighs> all right, 
but yeah, it, I just, I mean, you, you read those set, though, that that quote from this uh, uh, person close to Hillary Clinton, and it's like that's the best they could do. They couldn't even like find a real friend of hers to say something nice about it. It's just you know, and it couldn't even like you know just just quote the person as being her press liaison or whatever, or fucking agent. She whoever. Like, I mean, just that's the put thing. Put your name she, out there. She doesn't have friends. She has sycophants that still cling to the hopes that the Clintons are going to maintain their grip on the Democratic Party and somehow, you know, force their way back into power in some fashion. And this is what they do is they just constantly have their their cronies push stories out to the press. Like we saw with WikiLeaks that she has the direct ear of a lot of fucking um, reporters who are who are just total hacks. Fucking um, what's her face? Who hates Bernie? Whose name <laughs> is escaping? I mean, you insert reporter here. Um, sure. But but uh, and I, yeah, I can't remember her name right now. Um, but it, it's just, I, you know, I, I just, I just fucking can't, I can't with these people. I can't talk well, about them. <laughs> I, I'm fine with Hillary having her podcast. If it means that she's resigning herself to just staying out of political <laughs> arenas for the rest of her life. Like if, if they want to sunset away off into the podcast lane, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it looks, it looks like by all accounts, um, the, the democratic party is going to, belong to Bernie Sanders and AOC and Rashida and Ilhan and, and folks like them, or it's going to go down like the fucking Titanic. And that is apparently just fine with the establishment Democrats who have made it very clear that if Bernie gets a plurality, but not a majority, they will all take it away from him. They will take away his victory and they will hand it to uh, apparently, Sherrod Brown is up <laughs> in the air right now for one oh, of the people man. that could oh, get it, or or the, the 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 trump card on that list was Nancy Pelosi. They're gonna put they're gonna put Nancy Pelosi in a one on one general election against Donald oh, Trump. Gee, would I fucking love to I'm see that? I'm kidding. This is it's it's insane. Um, yeah. So what we're referring to, of course, is there's an article today in the New York Times for people that didn't see um, where they actually interviewed like 95 super delegates. Um, off the record, you know, not not naming them <laughs> for the most part. Of course not. Why would they um, on record? And eighty four uh, of them said that they are not only willing, but setting mo- like setting things in motion to give the nomination to someone other than Bernie Sanders if he goes into the convention with right. a plurality. So and it's out in the article, open now. Right. That's that's that was my question. Was this article a trial balloon, or is this them bluffing? You know, and engaging the response, or a little bit of both, right? Because they, you know, if, if they think that, you know, putting Bernie at the top of the ticket is going to hurt down ballot races if they really care about that, which I don't really think they do for the most part, no. uh, nothing will destroy down ballot races like a contested convention. Um, uh, Crystal Ball tweeted out, like, you know, you know who would love the chaos of a contested convention? Vladimir Putin. <laughs> hilarious. Because she's right. I mean, if you really think that, like, all Putin wants is to sow chaos, which, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't blame him considering <laughs> America's track record. Uh, yeah. If you really think, think that, that, you know, think that that's all Russia wants, then wouldn't that be exactly, you know, like, why are you doing Putin's work for him if you really think that? I mean, uh, they're... This is, I mean, this is Iowa on a macro scale. Like we, we, we said, they they were willing to literally kill their status as the first primary, you know, the first caucus in the nation. Literally blow up their entire fucking system. The only reason people ever visit that fucking state, just to stop Bernie a little bit, just to slow him down, not even to stop him. 
what are they willing to do to make sure that he doesn't win this nomination? Like, they know he doesn't have a third run in him, you know, starting from scratch at, at 80, you know, three years old or whatever it is. Like, he's probably not going to do that. And they know that there's nobody immediately waiting in the wings behind him. So they are, they're willing to fucking kill this party, you know, for a generation, make sure that they never win the presidency you know, in the 2020s, if it means stopping Bernie and keeping their money flowing to some extent. Although, again, I think they're overplaying their hands, and I think that if they did that, they would completely kill the party. Like, like people would, like, would just leave en masse and, and actually... That's the thing that could actually get people to start a third party. Like, I, you know, I know that people yeah. are saying it after 2016, but there's no fucking way I would ever vote for any Democrat, I think, again, in the, if, if, they, if they literally... You know, just 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 what they're saying by saying and, and this is and I'm not even saying what they're saying if they take it from Bernie. What they're saying right now is that none of these primaries matter to them. All the fucking people, all the friends we have who fucking, you know, uh, took time off their jobs, quit jobs, moved to fucking Iowa in the middle of January in, in the frozen fucking tundra hellhole that is Iowa in the middle of January. Uh, you know, just to fucking elect somebody that they think, you know, that they believe wants to just make society a better place. And for that crime, the, the, the Democratic Party is saying, you know, fuck you guys. I don't care about all of the shit that you people have sacrificed and all the money you've donated and all the time you've given to this person. We're just going to do what we want because we don't want. Uh, you know, we don't want a, anything to fundamentally change. We don't want our jobs to go away. We don't want th this money to stop flowing. Um, and we're willing to fucking to to go nuclear. This is the nuclear option. They're 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 readily admitting that that's what they're uh, willing and able to do if it gets to that point. So yeah, I, I still think it's they're they're bluffing a little bit, right? Um, there was a couple of key things that stood out. So I think in that they're split to but, me. Yeah. The the mention of Obama that like they want Obama to come in and like broker something is clearly I don't think what he wants to do, but I'm I'm sure he's willing to kind of like you, you know unify the party after the fact. I think uh, yeah. and just just the fact that they include that in the article is kind of like hey you know like if we if we really do let Bernie have it you know there's probably going to have to be some concessions that they want you know like hey you know don't don't uh, don't literally kill. Uh, Chris Matthews in, in uh, fucking Central Park. No but deal. Yeah, no some deal. Of the, some of the quotes from the article were fucking hilarious because it's like it, they these people are so inside the beltway they have no idea how funny they're, the things they're saying are. Uh, for example, quote, people are worried, said former <laughs> Senator Chris Dodd of Connecticut, <laughs> a former <laughs> DNC chairman who in October uh, endorsed former President Joe Biden, quote, how can you spend four or five months hoping you don't have to put a bumper sticker on your car for that guy, referring to Bernie Sanders? Like, what? Oh, <laughs> Jesus fucking, Christ. Who does he, Connecticut, who does he the, the Democratic Party with? in Connecticut, in the Northeast in general, is such a fucking joke. They're like two, you know, two degrees to the, to the left of Republican. Like, they're just so bad. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, no, Chris... Chris Dodd can go fuck himself. Like he's yeah. one half of the the weakest fucking Wall Street reform that we've ever done in this country. And um, so the next one here was from. Um, well, I'll just read the paragraph here. While pre mm -hmm. <laughs> while preparing to introduce the the former mayor Pete Buttigieg, um, assuming at a rally, uh, Rep. Don Byer, Democrat of Virginia, said, "I mean, like, who has ever even heard of this guy?" Uh, <laughs> said, "Quote." 
at some point you could imagine saying, let's go get Mark Warner, Chris Coombs, or Nancy <laughs> Pelosi. Like I, Mark Warner, I, Chris Coombs. Like, these are the people that they think are going to be so silly. Like, this is, again, this, this proves is who's going to excite their, the electorate. Yeah. All of their identity <laughs> bullshit is bullshit, and this should prove it 100%, because almost all of the names they're floating are fucking white men, like uncharismatic white men. So it's not, oh, we don't want an old white guy as our nominee. Don't ever fucking let them get away with that. It's bullshit. They just don't want anyone who's going to fucking stop their money train. Like, they it's, they can't be more clear. Parody. They can't be more clear. Like, they cannot be more clear about this. I swear. So he finished, this is a quote here. I'll just, I'll read the whole quote again. So at some point, you could imagine saying, let's go get Mark Warner, Chris Coombs, or Nancy Pelosi. Somebody that could win and we could all get behind and celebrate. That's his literal quote. <laughs> fantasy. These people live in a fucking fantasy world. It's this is somebody who. This is like it was what you get from someone who like doesn't even do their own grocery shopping. Like that, they're that divorced from. Oh real yeah, hundred percent. Which we live. Um. It, yeah. So, do I think they want to screw Bernie? Yes. Do I think they'll be able to and still have a party left afterwards? No. And that's what they're trying to gauge with articles like this right now is the reaction from people. To see, you know, I, I, I tweeted out the fucking, it's my favorite gif of all time. It's somewhere in the Middle East, and it's like 25 people all throwing Molotovs uh, at a police tank all at the same time. <laughs> if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to my uh, Twitter account at uh, Bike Slutty. And I just said, you know, I just tweeted this out with this image of Bernie Sanders promised a political revolution. So far, it's remained nonviolent. If the DNC rigs the primary, though, in a contest convention against the candidate with the most votes, the revolution will happily continue by other means, and the Democratic Party will cease to exist. Yeah, I think that's the general sentiment on the left in a nutshell. Uh, So you want to try us, motherfuckers, come try us. We won't be taping a sign that says oligarch to the windows of the offices (laughs) the way that apparently... (laughs) We won't literal violence to lean the sign against the side of their their building. (laughs) It's fucking <laughs> something, so gra- something, something graffiti artists totally do. Yeah. Um, no, so yeah, I mean, this is just, but I, I do think though there are genuinely, you know, it, it is partially a trial bloom, but I also think that there are a percentage of the super delegates who are totally willing and able to do that, and are even saying so on cable news. But I think again, because you know, I say this every time we talk about them, they're both evil and incompetent at the same time. This is right. going to totally backfire on them. This is going to galvanize people who are on the fence about Bernie, who, who like, you know, there's a, a good chunk of people who are fine with Bernie. Like, the only people that hate Bernie Sanders are fucking, like, brain poison liberals on Twitter. Like, it's a very small percentage of the actual electorate. Uh, most Democratic voters, you know, that don't support Bernie are fine with Bernie. They're just like, oh, yeah, no, I like Elizabeth Warren a little bit better. Oh, I like Joe Biden. Like, just, right. you know. Those people are going to look at that and say, especially after Super Tuesday, oh, well, you know, Bernie is clearly going to be the only one who's going to be viable. He's going to be the leader going into the convention. And I'm not going to want the Democrats to lose to Trump. So I'm going to have to vote for Bernie. Like, people are going to say that. And I think that's the messaging that Bernie needs, his team needs to go. Oh, yeah. Well, if they, exactly. If If they crucify Bernie, he will become the martyr that everyone is going to be, you know, hold as the litmus test for everyone else who runs. You're like, oh, you, uh, I, I see you're running for re-election. Uh, let me ask you, did you support Bernie Sanders? No. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm not voting for you. 
So if, well, if that is the, if that's what they want to do, I think it will. I think it's going to be the thing that everybody remembers forever. Did or did no, you not no, support Bernie Sanders? I'm and saying like if they if they didn't, then that yeah. is going to cost the party. Right. We're just not going to vote for anyone who was against him. No, 100 percent. What I'm saying is I think that this is going to be galvanizing for everyday Democrats who already are are overwhelmingly supporting him. He's the number one candidate in all of the national and most of the state polls. Now, I think this is going to galvanize even some of those people who are not, you know, supporting him as their number one choice right now. Because again, we've just, you know talked about polls where he's the number two choice for almost all of the other candidate supporters. Right. They're going to all look at this and say, "Well, if we go into a broker convention and Bernie uh, get in the, and the nomination gets taken away from the person with the most votes, then Trump is absolutely going to win re-election, and all we care about is beating Trump because that's the number one thing that Democrats, when they're polled, say that they care about is beating Trump. And you know, I, I have my issues with that, but. That be, that actually might work to our advantage in this case because I think a lot of them are going to look at this and say, well, I need to vote for Bernie in my primary because I don't want to see it get to a brokered convention. I, I think this is I think they're totally mis, miscalculating and they're going to completely fucking back. It's going to backfire on them and, and Bernie's going to win the nomination outright. I mean, he's already on pace, uh, you know, per per stat boy Nate Silver's projections to win. Uh, 1,800 pledged delegates. You need 1991 to win the nomination on the first ballot. I think when he fucking kills it on Super Tuesday, that's going to be such a momentum builder for him that he's going to win the the requisite number of delegates to win on the first ballot if we yeah. do our fucking work yeah. and well, make sure. The, the, where the truth really lies is in the internal memos that are in these campaigns. And there was a, a headline here, uh, I'm not sure who it was, maybe from Yahoo, but uh, <laughs> the headline was great. Bloomberg tumbles heading into Super Tuesday. I just, I like how that sounds. Yeah. Um, uh, the quote here uh, it is just, uh, it's only been a, a week since Bloomberg's campaign circulated a memo arguing Sanders is poised to leave Super Tuesday with a 400 plus delegate lead over his next closest opponent, whoever that yeah, may bro. be. <laughs> yeah, so that's the. You know, that's why they're going so hard on him, obviously. But, yeah, so it, it's the, the those internal memos aren't usually fairly spin-free, right? That's, like, their real yeah. actual concerns. It's game planning, yeah. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> there there hasn't been a, a contested convention since, what, 1952, I believe? Well, I mean, the Superdelegates have only been around since 84. But, like, yeah, they, 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 they took him away and brought him back. It's, yeah, but they, yeah, they've done okay. this a few times. Yeah. It's, no, it's just, it's, it's absurd, the idea that, you know, the Liz Warren's quote saying that, well, if Bernie, ha- you know, has the most votes but only has a plurality, he shouldn't be the nominee. And, and you could say, like, well, we have, we might, he might not be the nominee, but to say he shouldn't be if he has the most, it's preposterous. That's, that's fucking crazy. Like, oh, so the person who didn't get the most, he literally has the best case for being the nominee. <laughs> like, no, there's no fucking way. You know, and 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 they say, well, we want the best person to beat Trump, which might not be Bernie. It's like, well, if what is your what's your standard bearer for who should be the best? If it's not who gets the most votes, then you clearly 
don't really believe. Oh, you know what? Fine. The, the, Maybe it's the, not the, who gets the, the most votes. Maybe it's who is polling the best against Trump in head-to-head polls. Let's let's take a look at who that is. Oh, gee, it's Bernie Sanders in every fucking they, poll that they release. I, I swear, they really believe that like the, the having that power of being a superdelegate means that like you have a flock somewhere or an army somewhere that you're bringing to go fight on behalf of. It doesn't work that way. You don't have any real clout in the real world, fucking Howard Dean. Like it's just it's it's this myth that they need to have a unity candidate with their you know rich donors in order to win. We don't need any of that now. None of it. Yeah. We're, you know when when they're like, how dare Bernie say he wouldn't take Bloomberg's money if he was the nominee? That's dangerous and reckless. We need to take everything we can to try to beat. Try, again, it's like what do you? You have to you have to take money from evil people to beat the the fascist. You're not any better than the fascists. No, like you just you're. People would be furious <laughs> if he took if he took. We'd be furious if he took Bloomberg's money, and right, you know, and he never would. So, like, why, you know, it's preposterous. It's it's absolutely preposterous. So you mentioned Warren. I want to play an audio clip. Actually, I have of her because yeah. um, she had her town. You know, they all had their town halls. Uh, Bloomberg's, of course, got moved to Wednesday uh, because which I didn't actually see any info from. I don't know. I didn't. Maybe it didn't even happen uh it was nobody watched it yeah (laughs) i guarantee who who Um, the fuck tuned in people but um but he but he got he literally got them to move it till after the debate so they had nothing to use on him from it during the debates um but so warren uh had hers also and uh she was asked by somebody uh basically like uh, you know everyone on stage other than bernie sanders said that they're fine with superdelegates awarding the nomination to uh whoever they wanted despite you know it despite it not being maybe not being somebody who won the pledge delegate count uh why are you okay with subverting democracy basically um so listen to her disingenuous answer here and this is actually a clip put together um with a little bit of her answer and then the complete rebuttal and you know fact checking of her answer in real time so i'll play the audio from that can you explain why the will of the voters should not matter if no candidate reaches a majority of delegates? So you do know that was Bernie's position in 2016, that it should not go to the person who had a plurality. His last play was to superdelegates. A superdelegate uh, is thinking about going to you, but Hillary Clinton won their state. Presumably they should stick I with think, Hillary Clinton. You know, look, there's not a rigid rule, but I think, you know, if you win, Hillary Clinton wins with 53% of the vote. She won Illinois by a point or two. Sure. But when a candidate, whether it's Clinton or myself, you know, she demolished us in Mississippi, you know. I think the superdelegates should support her in Mississippi. But when in states like Colorado uh, and in many other states, Utah, etc., we win the overwhelming majority of votes, I think those superdelegates should go with their state. You've made a distinction between superdelegates from states you won. Uh, that, that you think those superdelegates should go for you. So will you not try to convince any superdelegate who comes from a state that you did not win in the primary and caucus process? Right. Look, this is what I think. If I win, or Hillary Clinton, if that is your point, Hillary Clinton won Mississippi by a huge vote, uh, should I convince superdelegates there to vote for me when she won that state overwhelmingly? No, I shouldn't. But we won states you know, like Washington, Alaska, Hawaii, New Hampshire, in landslide victories. And I do believe that the superdelegates, whether it's, you know, Clinton's or mine, states that we won, superdelegates in states where a candidate wins a landslide victory should listen to the people in those states. I'm a superdelegate. 
and I don't believe in superdelegates. Uh, I don't think that superdelegates ought to sway the election. Bernie had a big hand in writing these rules. I didn't write them. So we're here at the DNC Unity Reform Commission. This is a panel of 21 people. The chair is a Hillary Clinton person. The vice chair is a Bernie Sanders person, the head of our revolution. And then there is nine Hillary Clinton people, seven Bernie Sanders people, and three DNC chair appointees. Those are the rules that he wanted to write and others wanted to write. Everybody got in the race thinking that was the set of rules. I don't see how come you get to change it just because he now thinks there's an advantage to him. In most democracies around the world, the person who gets the most votes Ugh. wins. How about we make America that kind of democracy? Yeah, so she's a uh. fucking total liar and a snake. And, you know, but, and I, I couldn't bear to watch the entire actual clip from the CNN thing, but she, like, attacks this, this you know, just random, you know, uh, citizen who, who asked her a question very valid oh, she's question. gaslighting the guy yeah i mean yeah. she she clearly was ready for it because she had a live ready to go but her first thing she did was was to say well that's what bernie wanted too and you mm-hmm. know the guys the guy look on the guy's face is like but that's not what i'm asking you about <laughs> he's, yeah. he's asking her well, he, he, was question. Caught, he was caught flat-footed because she had a gaslighting line ready to go like she attacks him the same way she attacked right. amy goodman for asking you know the, i'm just a player in the game like this it was this is why they shouldn't be allowed to know what the questions are ahead of time because no. when he says oh is a bernie supporter she's like hi like she clearly was you know knew that who he yeah. was and the question he was going to ask she, ahead she might of have time. known she was going to get he was she was going to get that she might have had that gaslighting line prepared but like how, how is there no follow-up from the fucking host? Like, like that's not just not true. She just fucking lied like four times in that answer, and turns it into a like a, a you know an applause line attacking this guy who who asked her a question just because he happens to be a Bernie supporter. Mm-hmm. It, it's just fucking gross. Like she's so gross. Like I don't know what the fuck. I mean, this is her true face. Like we've seen it multiple times in this primary now. You know, again, like I mentioned, the Amy Goodman thing. That was so illustrative to me when Amy Goodman asked her such a basic question and she just totally you know chilled her out for the rest of the interview and then wouldn't even like shake her hand at the end and you know did the same shit she did to Bernie like this is who she fucking is she's a dickhead right-wing Republican at heart and uh, you know she put on a a good fucking mask for a long time pretending to be a progressive but well she you know we got the coronavirus so she doesn't want to shake hands with people and potentially <laughs> spread the disease did you did you see that mike pence video uh the, the guy that like makes these edits of of like press footage and like puts scary music and does like re-edits everything it's like no. so it was it was trump's um press conference about coronavirus where he announces that mike pence thank god mike pence is going to take care of coronavirus for us uh, after We're in good letting, hands, guys. After after letting thousands of people get infected with the HIV unnecessarily, as governor of Indiana, uh, yeah, and, and at the press conference, he like Mike Pence keeps like rubbing his nose, like you know, like he's sick or got a cold, and he like okay. then it shows him like shaking people's <laughs> hands, and like it zooms in on the handshake, like like he's fucking con- contaminating everybody. As Trump's like, oh, he's gonna take care of the thing. He's like, <laughs> you know, just fucking great. I forget the yeah, name no, of the guy I, that makes all those uh, videos, but I'm sure I'm sure a religious fundamentalist with no science background is going to totally stop the most significant pandemic we've seen in ten years in this country. So <laughs> be fine, the, the, guys. The thing with HIV that I was referring to, you know, in case you didn't know, uh, the the vice president um, doesn't believe in climate science or medical science. Uh, he turns to God for such questions, literally. Um, I mean, he thinks he does, literally. Uh, so God or they, mommy, aka his wife. 
there was a bill in Indiana to provide uh, clean syringes to drug addicts to prevent the spread of HIV, which from a uh, health and human services perspective is just what you do in civilized society, regardless of what you think about drugs or whatever. And yeah. the, the state legislature voted to pass it, and Mike Pence vetoed it. And they passed it again, and he vetoed it again. Uh, and it's believed that upwards of 5,000 people are infected by HIV because of his decision. So this is the guy who is now in charge of trying to prevent uh, a virus that's 2,000 times more lethal than the flu from potentially wiping out large chunks of our population. So uh, heck of a job, Brownie. <laughs> Just waiting for yeah. that moment <laughs> as an entire city uh, Mike, gets wiped out. Great, Mike. Mike, you're doing great. <sighs> so, since, um, since we're on that, um, we I asked you before the show if you'd seen this testimony with this guy, the uh, Alex Secretary Azar. of yeah, yeah, is the the Secretary of Health and Human Services who uh, apparently is somewhat in charge of trying to make sure that we don't all die, and he's doing this this congressional uh, testimony on the Hill yesterday, and there was people. Just like literally like screaming at him because he didn't know the answers to anything. But he did know one answer when he was asked uh, if the vaccine they're working on will be affordable. He said, well, we, quote, we can't control the price because we need the private sector to invest in it, end quote. Now, this so, is the head of a government agency, not a company. Former right? pharmaceutical lobbyist, by the way, which, which well, gives you a hint as to why more, he actually More than that. Does. Yeah, so he was a uh, he was a member of a board of directors from a pharmaceutical lobbying group. He also ran his own consulting firm for the biotech and health insurance industry, and he was the president of Eli Lilly, <laughs> one of the biggest <laughs> pharmaceutical manufacturers in the country. And one of the the, world, the, mo- the most consistently litigated against, by the way, they're one of the, the the worst companies when it comes to price gouging and like you know yeah. fucking around with their patents. Yeah, I love when we both do the same research without conferring with each other. It's like <laughs> no, we just kind of like throw the shit together really well. <laughs> well, I, I just know him from my time as like a pharmacy, you know, technician. Like I just know yeah. he, this motherfucker is like you know, but I, I, this is it's just so it's it, this is obscene. Like this is fucking obscene that this is what. We allow to go on in our country. I mean, this fucking guy is basically saying, hey, if you're poor, well, tough shit. I guess you're going to die. And and this is so, this is, again, so fucking short-sighted by these fucking capitalists who all they care about is their short-term profits. You know who's going to be most affected by not having access to a to an actual vaccine for the coronavirus? Poor people or riding just the bus. Access, yeah, <laughs> or access, living in tent cities. Yeah, access to just healthcare in general, like you know, because of the bullshit healthcare that we have in this country. Yeah, it's poor people, it's service workers, it's people that serve your food and clean your fucking apartments and how and and hotels and shit. Like this is going to make it spread. This is going to make the coronavirus spread significantly more. Than if you were to just you say, oh well, obviously this is a uh, global pandemic and a, a, a health emergency. That so we obviously need to provide this vaccination free of charge to everybody once we you know develop it's, a. Isn't it funny how you know you've got all these people, all these you know anti-vaxxers, and then the backlash to those people is the you know the the argument that well if it's really deadly we have to make vaccination mandatory and everyone has to do it. It's never, well, you know, we might all die, but I just, I don't want to subsidize it for poor people like that. Just, you know, you got to pay your own way, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, like just the fact that the whole argument for vaccination 
completely falls apart if it's like a new virus because it hasn't historically been vaccinated for because it's like brand fucking new. We're not looking at it remotely in those terms. We're looking at it in terms of, well, should it or shouldn't it be affordable for everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Just insane. Absolutely fucking it's, insane. It really is. Even Pelosi was like, well, we, we should try to make it affordable. Like, no, no, you're the fucking head of the Democratic Party. You should be saying uh, it should be fucking free. It should be there for everybody. And we're going to incentivize people to fucking do it because it's 2,000 times more deadly than the flu. Yeah, yeah, no, but Pelosi again. This is why the, the, this is the person that the fucking liberals think is going to be is going to be the 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 comp the unity nominee for fucking president is the fucking person who can't even have the fucking uh, you know the fucking will to say yeah obviously this vaccine should be free everyone's going to fucking die if they don't get it like it, it's just unbelievable to me the fucking uh, just the, the 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 naked corruption it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the argument's also that vaccines don't work unless everyone takes it. As long as there's people that don't take it and they're infected, yeah. then everyone else is still at risk. So yeah, herd if, immunity. You, if you're saying, well, it might not be affordable, well, then you then it's why have it in the first place then? Because if you if you're not going to stop uh, the majority of infections, then there's no benefit of everyone taking it. it you know, it's just it's, it's fucking common yeah. sense. Right. Um so, yeah, no, it's, it's insane. Well, they, and then they say, well, we have to, uh, you know, we, we, this idea that, well, we need the private sector to invest in it. Like, why? You know, like, they, they just, like well, you, you're the fucking federal government. You could nationalize any of those companies you want and say, hey, guess what? It's, it's a nonprofit company now, and you work for the government, and, and you know, you're still going to break even, but you're not going to, you know, your, your motive is no longer profit. It's saving lives, you fucking scumbags. And also, you know who's doing the research to develop this vaccine right now is the federal government. So they're, right. what they're saying is we're going to literally use all of your money, meaning our money, to do the fucking research to develop this drug. And then once it's ready to go, we're going to try to make as much money from it as we can. This is this is just fucking, you know, uh, just pr price gouging 101. Like, this is like, you know, like selling bottles of water for $50 at, like, Woodstock 99 when they started running out right. of water. This is this is just that on a macro well, and, scale. And, and, and when people say disgusting. that Bernie Sanders is, like, the, the far left... You know, and his ideas are like too radical and extreme. It's like he's only talking about nationalizing our health insurance, right? Like in 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 my socialist utopia, uh, you know, a communist Star Trek fantasy world, it would be yeah, there would be none of this. There would be no yeah, profit in system. any of this. It would be completely nationalized, and everyone, oh well, then no one's gonna want to try hard to invent new things if there if there's no profit motive. It's like really. How did how did fucking Nikola Tesla come up with all that shit that was so advanced they fucking bombed it and burned it down, right? Like he was trying to give it away for free. He was trying to make sure everyone had free electricity for all eternity. Jonas Salk, fucking, <laughs> you know the the polio vaccine created the polio vaccine was like, yeah, no, it'd be completely immoral for me to sell this. Is preposterous. People are dying, you know, by by the mil by the hundreds uh, of thousands because of this disease. Obviously, I want you know. Yeah, and half of these things they they invent on accident. Fucking penicillin. No one was trying to invent penicillin. They just fucking someone had some moldy bread and was like, "Hey, look at that. What do you know? <laughs> we just had, we just cured half of all diseases with yep. moldy bread." 
so yeah, no, it's absurd. And, and these arguments just fall pieces the minute you look at it. And they don't want you to imagine a different world. That's that's the other big thing is like they want to pretend that you know the market is the only way these things can be produced. Right. And they say, well, the, you know, the Russians tried nationalizing everything and it, look how that turned out. It's like, well, yeah, that they're forced to try to compete with, you know, a superpower that was willing to let people go into extreme poverty to fund their nuclear arms race. They, you know, they yeah. we both countries did the same thing in essence. Really no difference there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's really there was that poll that came out last week too that said that uh, 20% of adults thought Bernie Sanders was too conservative and I was just like <laughs> yes fucking like, exactly yep. I didn't even get in on that poll but that was like, that was I want to meet those people I that 20% are pitch. like my people <laughs> <laughs> yeah no for sure um yeah so well you know speaking of disgusting things we should d- briefly talk about the uh the 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 alleged debate that took place uh, this week in South Carolina, um, you know, South Ugh. Carolina is a Democratic, you know, party machine state. Uh, it always has been, uh, you know, super corrupt. The whole process of their primaries. It's uh, uh, weirdly one of the most conservative Democratic states. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about on the show about how that whole process works and the, the kind of like the Clyburn endorsement. Like it's all it's all a bunch of like fucking establishment you know glad handing and and you know hand jobs under the table and uh bernie did really bad there i think against hillary i i I don't even think he you know came close to to you know uh her in south carolina um and you know it for the entirety of this race joe biden has been pinning joe biden has been pinning his hopes on staying in the race on south carolina so initially uh predicated on him coming in like second in Iowa and New Hampshire and and you know, maybe second or third in Nevada. Uh I don't think he d- foresaw that he was going to like literally not get any delegates in, in in some of these states uh early on. Uh but he he still would consider he still considers South Carolina his firewall. And you know, we talked last week on the show about um how I think he's overrepresented in, you know, South Carolina. He's overrepresented in all of these polls. I think I, I think it's gonna be tough for Bernie to win South Carolina. I mean, I know I made my prediction of five points last week, and I'll stick to it. Uh, but that being said, Bernie tying with Biden or like you know coming close to hit tying with Biden I, to me is a win because you're, he's gonna be stifling Biden's moment. Like the only thing that Biden can count on for any kind of sport at this point is like a seven point win in South Carolina where he can go into Super Tuesday with positive news coverage for two days but again that's like i, I don't think that's going to really have any factor in, in on super tuesday you know at all uh if anything you know he's just going to eat into the support that bloomberg already siphoned from him and he's going to take some of that back i don't think he'll eat into bernie's support at right. that point and, and i'm fine with all these these centrist hacks getting a little tiny sliver of a, a different state as long as it's a different one every time right as long as bernie's numbers keep climbing and the rest of these sad sacks stay in the race as long as possible uh, to keep making it so that, like, nobody else gets even anywhere close to, to Bernie's lead. So that, you know, maybe if he does end up with a plurality, it's still, like, the next closest person is 20 points behind him. Then there's no fucking way they can pick any of those people. They just can't, right? No, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just don't want to let it get to that. I, 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 Bernie eventually does need to start opening up massive leads in some states. And I and you know, the Super Tuesday sure. polls are looking 
favorable for that. He's a lot of polls I'm seeing in California. He's the only one who's viable. Like he's the only one above fifteen percent in some of these polls. Like there was one poll that yeah. had Warren at thirteen percent, Bernie at like thirty eight percent. Like, and we know that Bernie uh, historically under polls in in diverse states. I mean, look at the the uh, polling in Nevada versus the result. He way overperformed with Latino voters. He got forty six percent of the state, forty seven percent. I think the highest I ever saw in polling in Nevada was like thirty eight percent. If he could repeat that in California, like that's he'll be the only one who wins any delegates in that state. And that's the biggest delegate count. Well, from the entire we, fucking primary. Yeah, I mean, we know he's going to do great in in California. This whole Super Tuesday, I think, is going to be what we expected. It, hopefully, a bloodbath for him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and we went over some of the details of how they rearranged um, the, the the Super Tuesday on our last podcast we did on Monday. Um, but you can look, you can hear us right now, like how, how concerned we are, right? And I would love to like go back and listen to this episode on like Wednesday morning and be like, <laughs> I was so worried for nothing. I would love yeah. to go back and listen to this now, you know, in the future on Wednesday after a huge blowout. Right. And to be like, oh, what were we worried about? It was so obvious this was going to be the blowout. Right. But but right now it's Thursday before Super Tuesday. And we're still just like, you know, it, it still seems too good to be true uh, how well Bernie's doing already. But, uh, you know, like in, until Super Tuesday, we're going to know we're going to know one way or the other the way this is going. Right. Yeah. You're going to have a, a third of all the votes cast in the whole primary happen in less than a week on Tuesday. Right. So this is it. This is the big one. Bernie could open a lead <laughs> that nobody will be able to catch. Like that, there, there's no, you know. So, and at that point, I think he's he's going to become the nominee because once it's clear that he's going to be the nominee or that he's going to have the most votes, people don't vote ideologically a lot of the times. I mean, it's a it's the way people vote is such a weird phenomenon. You really could do like a bunch of studies on it, but you know, we talk about how some people's like first choices, Klobuchar, and second choices, Bernie, like. People do not have, you know, they don't view politics the way that people who are way too into politics like us do. Like, a lot of people are just, oh, well, if that's the person that's going to win, I guess I want to vote for that person because I want to, you know, say I helped that person get to the nomination and be true. Like, once it's clear that Bernie's the, the, the clear, you know, number one, I think his numbers are going to go considerably up in the later primaries, so... Yeah, you know, of course. People it, people it, want to pick a winner, you know, and once they feel like that's the winner, you know, that everyone oh, everyone else is doing, I better do it too. Like there is that mentality, absolutely. Um, yeah, they know but, that too, which is why they're panicking right now. Exactly, exactly. You know, but again, like nobody's ever won Iowa, New Hampshire, and not won the presidency. Nobody has ever in history won the first three states in a row. Period. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, this this debate, we haven't really talked about the debate too much here, but I was um, I wasn't even really I didn't know the debate was that day. I was kind of like, oh, that's that's today. OK. And I feel like it probably got lower ratings than some of the other debates because it was God awful. Worst to debate I've ever seen in my entire life. Literally the worst. the worst debate. The moderators were fucking asleep the entire debate. They let people just talk, you know over each other the entire day. Mayor, Mayor Pete's strategy was just like, how can I be the most annoying little fucking Ben Shapiro dweeb imaginable? I'm just going to talk the entire time that Bernie Sanders is talking. Like, that's that's his only, that was his only goal, yeah. was to not let Bernie get a fucking he, single word in. 
the minute he was referenced, he would be like, well, let, let's let's look at that. And I'm going to just, you know, and of course you can't even hear what he's saying because he, he can't project anything because he's all fucking rat nostrils, right? And Bernie's just, you know, up, the whole forward. goal, the whole goal, I think, was to make it so that Bernie wouldn't have any good sound clips, right? Yep. So as soon as Bernie started to make a good point, it was, let's talk over him so you can't hear what he's saying and he can't use it for, for campaign stuff. This was the first debate. Uh, so far, out of all the debates we've had this this cycle, where not a single candidate was trending on Twitter after the debate, not a single one. No one, right? no it, one fucking won. And we, from this debate, I mean, you know, Bernie, I think, you know, managed to withstand all the blows to him, but nobody came out looking better from this debate. It was a shit show. It was a fucking dis- disgusting shit show. And people were figuring out on Twitter something was wrong when the only applause and cheers would were for Bloomberg and Biden. In that audience, and they were booing Bernie Sanders for uh, commending Cuba's literacy program. Yeah, uh, I have an audio clip of that. Yeah. You do. Yeah, so let's play that. And, and I just want to remind people Mike Bloomberg is not on the ballot in South Carolina. So these people cheering raucously when Mike Bloomberg mentions how New York City schools, how he has 23 of the top 25 schools are from New York City, um, is a little suspect to say the least. I, I, I did, you know. So here, here's the clip of, of, of uh, that moment you're talking about. This is what Barack Obama said in terms of Cuba, that Cuba made progress on education. Yes, I think, really? <clears throat> really? Yes, Literacy because there's no comparing those two commentators. What Barack Obama Barack said Obama is they made great progress on education and health care. So you had Rap Boy, uh, of course, trying to talk over them. The there was like a, there was like a mosquito that flew by the microphone or something like that. I just heard this this annoying gnat sound in my ear. Yeah, I'm making excuses. Yeah. So you had um, what what turned out was uh, one thousand seven hundred dollar to three thousand two hundred dollar tickets to attend this debate for donors. Now, how many how many voters in South Carolina do you think can afford that? You know, the the, the price of a used so, car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. For, so there's a very good chance that Bloomberg bought like 50% of those donor tables and just handed them out to people that Extremely he basically. good chance. Yeah. And just based on how many people you could hear booing, people that can actually afford those tickets themselves don't go to an audience and boo things. You could, hear, you could tell the, 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 the voices of those people booing were very young. Right. So that was a yeah. bunch of students that he went and paid to go sit there and and then there's this clip we can't really play it because you won't understand what's happening. But there's, it was a clip of uh, Tom Steyer doing an interview to somebody for CBS, oh, yeah. I guess. And in the background, out of focus, you can see a, a guy on stage, and he's like a stage director, and he's like using his hands to conduct the audience in cheering and giving them hand signals to teach them when to cheer and when to stop. Right, and this is something that like you do for Fear any. You know any uh, you know David Letterman production? Yeah, right. You teach the you know how to control the audience. Well, you're doing that for a debate. Like, who's actually in control of that then? Like, Mm -hmm. and and when are who you know who off stage is directing all that? Right. That that's a completely rigged debate, (laughs) and it was very obvious based on who it was they were cheering and applauding and who they weren't. And there's I don't have the clip of it, but there's another point where Warren started talking about Bloomberg's. 
you know, the, his his sexual harassment scandals and and how he told you know a woman to kill it. And they started, and there was this one woman that just started, and you know, a couple people, you know, started just booing her, and it was like the most phony booing you've ever heard in your entire life. Like people were isolating the clip, and it was just like so such a pronounced like boo, like nobody fucking boos like that. Like it, it was just so yeah. over the top, like drama, you know, one hundred and one, uh, you know, barely out of barely out of fucking acting school. Booing and it was like make sure I'm heard so that Mike knows and make sure I get a get a get a little extra money. It was so I, the the dem, you you want to tell me that the fucking Democratic electorate is gonna boo and, and look I my huge problems with Elizabeth Warren but they're gonna boo a woman talking about a man being a sexual harasser in the Me Too era. Are you fucking kidding me? That was so obviously a fucking bought audience. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well. You know, I love that with the person when Bernie's talking about, um, you know, literacy and someone boos that he just turns the audience, the guy, whoever yelled at, and he just goes, really? Really? Yeah, that was great. That was great. You're booing reading. <laughs> like, Because he, f- f- yeah, he knew who was in it. And they, they asked him, like, in the little, like, the spin room afterwards uh, about it. And he's like, yeah, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. These, uh, you know, a lot of these tables, uh, they were going for, uh, these tickets were going for 17 you know, uh, 50 a pop for up to 3,000. Like, he knew who was in that fucking room. He was looking at them. He could see them from the stage. He saw a bunch of fucking, you know, tuxedoed fight. He probably saw Neera Tandon, Howard Dean, all these fucking dickwads sitting in the crowd. Yeah. Like, this was not a room full of regular well, people. And there, uh, in some of the local reporting about the ticket prices, the pe- person from the Democratic Party in South Carolina said, well, this isn't unusual. This is this is the how we normally do it, and it's like you don't realize how bad that no, it was, looks. It was a connection. No clue. It, no, their quote was so I don't even have it, but it was so hilarious. It was like, well, it's you know, it's a collection of of uh, party donors, um, uh, part you know, elected officials, and uh, supporters of each cat, an equal number of supporters of each candidate that we give tickets out to. It's our it's the most diverse audience imaginable. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's just comical again. Fucking weaponizing i don't ever let them do this shit because they clearly don't give fucking uh, you know they don't care for you know a second about actual diversity they don't care about diversity of opinion they they've shown that they're willing to elect sherrod fucking brown or mark warner as as the nominee as long as they don't have to worry about their taxes going up like they, they don't give a fuck they're so transparent just oh god i i just fucking like banging my head against the wall when I'm trying to explain this to fucking liberals about the fucking party that they love so much. I don't yeah. understand it's, how it's to get weird this message. <laughs> yeah, I think just just keep showing the unfairness of it. And that's what's worked with, with me talking with my own mother who has supported Warren. She already voted absentee uh, for State of Michigan because she was dealing with my stepfather's, uh, late stepfather's cancer and didn't know she was going to be in Michigan to vote. Yeah. Uh, turns out she will be, but she voted happens to already. So she's already voted, voted Warren. I get it, whatever. But as things progress, she has definitely seen that the way that Bernie and Bernie alone is treated by the press uh, is completely unfair. I've been sharing articles. I shared that New York Times article with her, uh, and she's just like, well, I don't understand." I'm like, "Mom, the Bernie they and don't the Trump both fundamentally the what?" The Bernie and Trump are both bad on climate or whatever? No, the one about the, the party willing to oh, uh, destroy yeah, yeah. itself in order to stop Bernie. She's like, well, then they're fools. I'm like, yeah, I've been saying this for 20 years, and now you <laughs> wonder why I voted for fucking Ralph Nader back in the year 2000, Mom? Like, this is it. 
<laughs> it's this shit. Mm-hmm. It's just it took you 20 more years to realize it than it took your own son. Uh, which is her fault, though, because she taught me to read at a young age, which, you know, again, literacy. Imagine I'm that. fucked up. Re- reading. <laughs> Boo! Boo! Really? Really? <laughs> Learn to read. Boo! I mean, that, that I, was just uh, such an unbelievable, like, I, I would expect that in, like, Miami, maybe. Like, but really, uh, South Carolina, like, that's obviously a fucking plant. Just, it, it, it's, uh, just, it's hilarious, because isn't the whole argument why communism doesn't work? Is that like, oh, people are poor and destitute and don't have good things, and that's why we don't like communism. So we should be like America, where actually the our our quality of life is actually lower than Cuba. Well, did you see- literacy rate is lower. Our fucking life expectancy is lower. Uh, we the we polit- have massively more <laughs> debt than Cuba yeah. than Cubans do. So yeah, it's like literally like we just we don't we we so desperately don't want communism to succeed because of our own ego and insisting that our system's so fucking superior, even though we have more people in jail, the most most wealth inequality, uh, highest infant mortality rate in the first world. Like we're a fucking shithole country, and then we want to just boo at other socialist nations for trying to do it different. Well, did you see the the Politico fact, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, Politifact fact check of Bernie's the, the, the Cuban <laughs> comment? It, it was like it was, I think it was like somewhat true, and it said, "Sure, Cuba, you know, Fidel Castro did institute a uh, radical uh, literacy program um, upon taking power in 1950, not whatever year it was, uh, but it came with a heavy dose of ideology." That was their headline. I'm like. <laughs> Motherfucker, I had to stand for the fucking flag every day for like eight to you know, 12 years straight and fucking, you know, in public school. Like, what are you talking about? We, we, right. If you've read our fucking textbooks, like the, the t- textbooks in Texas used to call slavery like like, uh, you know, uh, trade. It's uh, like it, it, it had like a really. Um, no, they <laughs> they they changed it recently to omit slavery. This was a big thing in the news in Texas where oh, it okay. used to say slavery for a long time, and then they were stripping the word slavery and, and replacing it with the Triangle uh, Trade uh, Organization. Or whatever yes, the fuck they yes, it. that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's insane. It's like like well, sure, he let, you know everyone they they had one hundred percent literacy in Cuba, but they were forced to read Karl Marx. It's like oh God forbid. <laughs> You have to fucking read the greats, you know, as, as required literature. Or, and, and they were they were forced to read about how evil America is. I'm like, um, they don't really need to read. They just need to like look out their window and look at their neighbors and look. I at mean, their we we, we tried we to doing. assassinate their leader 700 times, and we're we tried, like pretty <laughs> we tried fucking to evil. Give them exploding cigars, like we were like the wily e. coyote of fucking. You know, oh evil God. like imperialist countries. At one point, they tried to blo- they tried to give him like exp- CIA tried so many times to assassinate Fidel Castro. There's a whole movie. There's a whole documentary about. Is there really? Uh, it's it's yeah. The title is like this: the 700 assassinations of Fidel Castro, <laughs> and it's about the CIA trying to kill him over the course of like five different presidents that we had. It's even it was like like the least times we did it was when Carter was president, but we still tried to do it when Carter uh-huh. was president. It's like that's how just completely they probably don't even the ask. Of they law. probably don't even fucking ask no. the president. They just do whatever ask. the fuck they want. They there's no is, there's no there's oversight. No, there's no oversight at all. Yeah, I mean it, it, at least with I, I watched um, the report, which is the mm-hmm. uh, insanely Amazon Prime made a movie critical of the CIA, which I didn't think would be possible. Well, they uh, because, distributed you know, it. I don't think they actually made it. Yeah, that's probably um, why it was but, uh, as good as it was. Adam Adam Driver is great in it. Uh, I I feel like in some of his movies he's kind of like emotionless, or his emotions just seem very like not. Like, it seemed very surface level, like very acted, not felt. 
Um, and I feel like this this character, this role he plays, is this CIA officer investigating all of the torture program that went on uh, during the Bush administration is really well done. Um, and you, you really feel his frustration because he, he works on it for five years, has this 6,000-page report, and then the CIA is like, nope, not going to publish it. <laughs> so it's like on one level, it's like, you know, the truth isn't getting out there, but he's also just wasted five years of his life. Right, yeah. and he truly thought that like the, the the truth would change things, and we people would be held accountable. Which, I mean, they, they kind of play up his naivete in that sense. But uh, it, it's also um, uh, Diane Keaton is great. Diane Feinstein in the film. <laughs> uh, and when I say great, uh, it's not a love and portrayal. Feinstein's no. just as corrupt as, as a lot of these CIA people were, and only finally after President Obama you know, brushes her off and says, I don't care about any of this, that she finally goes, okay, we're going to release this report. And it finally does get released, but it's like only 400 pages and extremely redacted. So there's no actual names of anybody who committed the torture under the CIA. (laughs) Right. So again, like nothing, we tortured some folks and, uh, but not going to look backwards, going to look forward. So yeah. And his administration worked pretty hard to fucking kill this thing and to, you know, to water it down and make like, they just did not want this to, it was just it could not be more clear that he did not give a fuck about actually holding people accountable uh for for the CIA torture program i mean it, it's just unbelievable the the, the sure. level well he was too busy you know writing up his drone strike kill list he didn't have time yeah. to worry about all you know CIA guys the, the guy who um adam driver is in that portrays in that movie actually went on a scales podcast right around when it came out and he had a great oh, nice. interview yeah, he really gets I, into that i stuff. haven't listened to, to scales podcast because he's kind of it's kind of you know he's not droll. as funny as we are but he's very droll but also got a little bit melodramatic at times when it's not necessary and i'm just kind of like eh, all right you're a good journalist but i don't need your podcast but uh yeah no he's good, good, good he's, film he's not bad yeah uh where was I? Did we talk um, about coronavirus already? I think I we know, did. We talked were... about Alex. Yeah, no, we did. We did. Um, um, there was a good bit on Democracy Now! this morning. Um, they had a woman on named uh, Sonia Shah. Uh, she's an investigative science journalist. And uh, she was talking about, like, you know, from whence come this coronavirus. And there was some people that kind of said, oh, it's because people in China eat exotic animals. And it's, it's I mean, that's like a tiny bit of truth to it but it's also just what she talks about in the segment on democracy now is how you know we we we're having rampant human population growth right people say oh it's not a problem it's very much a problem uh especially when we are leveling forests for more land and we're spreading out and we're going into animal habitats rapidly you know and she said you know when you cut down a whole forest the bats don't just disappear Right, they start roosting in your home and under your eaves trough and your chimney. Like they're gonna still live there. It's just they're gonna live in where you are, and because of that, you just have a lot more contact between humans and wild animals. And wild animals carry all kinds of diseases that may not harm them at all. They're just carrying these these yeah. illnesses or bacteria or microbes, right? But coming in close contact with people, which usually, if you live in a city, don't come in contact with wildlife very often, or at least not exotic wildlife, uh, unless it's a very rapidly you know, urbanizing area that's encroaching upon a wildlife habitat, uh, as is happening in a lot of parts of the world. And then you start having these interactions between, uh, you know, sort of inert illnesses, viruses that animals are carrying and humans that have never had these contacts before. And, and this is a result of that. And, you know, if it's, if it's spreading quick enough, 
amongst humans who are packed in, you know, <laughs> you know, it's the not washing their hands after they wipe their nose. Packed like sardines. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's really dangerous. And that is, yeah. you know, like we, we had all the, all the illnesses in the late 1800s cause we were packing people into the tenement buildings to the point where you had six, seven people living in one bedroom. You know, that was common in a lot of East Coast cities. And, and because of that, we, we suffered. We started to, to build cities differently to make sure that didn't happen, right? But it's still, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the many things that also is going to be exacerbated by climate change, too, right? You, you know, the, the people that say the overpopulation of humans is not an issue, uh, I, I think they need to go back and take some ecology classes because there's a finite carrying capacity for any species, and the more we take away, the more it harms our wild areas, you know, the oceans, the, uh, you know, the rainforest. Those things go away. They're diminished. That biodiversity is diminished, right? And the strength of an ecosystem lies in its diversity. And the less diversity you have, the weaker it becomes. And when it collapses, you're going to have an entire forest turn into kindling. You know, you have uh, a longer yeah. uh, burning season, a shorter winter, means it's perpetually getting drier, right? And then you have in drier area, uh, you know, bark beetles that go into the trees and eat up the tree and it kills it, right? And there's no more, you know, say, you, you know, killed off all the birds that used to eat that beetle, right? So there's a balance there. You take that away and then you have this, this tipping point, this ecological collapse that we all pretend uh, is never going to happen, <laughs> right? Uh, it's already happening. In so many places, it's already happening. Yeah. Australia's on fire. California's on fire. The Amazon's on fire. And every time those trees burn, it adds more carbon into the atmosphere. So, uh, oceans are boiling. The The coral reefs are all dying. Um, you know, and and then, and then it's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) And then you, and then you see headlines like this breaking the Texas transportation commission is poised to fully fund a massive seven point billion dollar overhaul of all of interstate 35 running through Austin. So, I saw a rendering of this. 22 lanes wide. They want to expand Holy this. shit. 30, Interstate 35 through Austin will be 22 lanes wide. Completion date, 2024. That is, how, how wide is it right now? 12. Jesus fucking Christ. And everyone that who is, knows that is transportation I mean, planning... You, 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 it knows the more lanes, the more congestion, the more traffic. It's called induced demand. The more you build for cars, the more it's going to fill up with cars, right? And just yeah. to give you an idea of, you know, that we're not totally crazy, Texas is also building high-speed rail between Dallas and Houston at a cost of $5.9 billion. That's uh, almost $2 billion less than just on the freeway they're building in Austin, um, that high-speed rail, though, between Dallas and Houston, ready for operation in 2042. Oh, yeah, great. So <laughs> once half the country is underwater. Um, that's yeah. unbe- so I if, mean, if you what, need to how do you build even a, get across that highway? Like, you don't. That, that that's the whole point. You don't ever like, see the other side of that town unless you get on the freeway. You know, And if you've ever ridden an Uber, you know that they will tell the Uber drivers to use the freeway because it's there now. Right. Rather than go around the congestion, the fucking computer just tells you drive on the freeway because it's there. It's well, I insane. mean, and, and you're just creating more points th- that eventually need to converge into one and two lane roads. Like that just seems like, per- and I think that's probably a big reason why that does, you know, beyond just the induced demand of 
more cars when there are more lanes, you're, you're just making a bigger merging situation because most cities are, have one lane on each side. Like you're not once you, once you get off the highway, you're not going to be getting off onto a 22 lane, you know, suburban road or, or urban road. You're going to have to still. Fi- it's just going to cause massive. It does. Congestion. It does. And when you look at the whole idea of having a grid system for streets in a city, the idea is that. Uh, naturally, people will choose less busy routes on their own, right? Yeah. You disperse that that load, right? When you congregate all of it on a highway or freeway, then yes, you can have way more congestion around that that freeway because people are just they're going to think, oh, that's the fast way, and it's not, right? In 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 study after study, when they've torn down freeways in cities where they realize they didn't need the freeway anymore. Everyone's like, well, where's, what about all that, that traffic's going to spill out onto the surface streets? Well, it turns out people just don't take those trips anymore. Um, they tore down a freeway in uh, Seoul, South Korea, and restored. It was like a 12-lane, double-decker freeway that uh, they built over this river. They tore down the freeway and restored the river. And now it's like the biggest tourist attraction in all of South Korea. Uh, 70% of the traffic just vanished. <laughs> people just didn't take those trips by car anymore. Right, and and what the thirty percent that did spill out was easily absorbed by the by the you know surface street grid system, right? So it, every time you see them expanding freeway, they're doing exactly the wrong thing. If they really wanted to get rid of the congestion, they would get rid of the freeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, oh, you know, before we got out of here, I did want to talk about Bernie's. Um, the endorsements he's been picking up because I think that, you know, we, we talk a lot about the diversity of his movement, but I don't think anything was more uh, of an encapsulation of that than, than the list of people that he's gotten to endorse for him and, and open slash perform for him at rallies uh, in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, he picked up, of course, the Dick Van Dyke endorsement, which was uh super bizarre. And I, I, I'm shocked that Dick Van Dyke is still alive. He's like 98 years old. <laughs> um, Looks like oh, a hermit, I but I think Dick Van Dyke awesome. stayed alive all this time just to endorse Bernie. You watch that <laughs> video that he did, and he's like, "I lived all this time just to fucking troll you people." I love it, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I think we need to elect a younger guy. A younger guy yeah, should be elected." <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like thirty years younger than I am, or whatever. But I'll still vote yeah. for him, even though he's even though he's one of those young kids. Um, so he's got him endorsing him. He's you know we, we of course talked about the Strokes. He got a bunch of. Uh, Neil Young came out and endorsed him the other day. Uh, obviously, you know, members of Rage Against the Machine. But he's uh, the 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 big thing that came uh, yesterday was he announced a last minute rally in California on Sunday at the L.A. Uh, Convention Center. Uh, opening act, Public Enemy. I mean, can you imagine a, oh, a fucking? Huge. It's going to be so amazing. I mean, just to have a presidential campaign that that is like you know this this is the kind of act that bill clinton would have to you know performatively talk shit about back in the day like some of the sister soldier you know like like right the, the, fact the last time public enemy so cool did show the, i don't even fucking know man like i don't even know if they you know they, i don't think it's coincidence that they came back and then rage came back this year like all, all the fucking awesome you know rap and rock like protests and bands are fire from the 90s know. and 80s yeah the 90s i mean I, and 80s. I don't remember the last time i heard about them being on tour anywhere and yeah, i don't and think they're big enough yeah, that if they had, had done anything in the last 10 15 years you probably would have heard about it right you would think yeah 
So, yeah. and, you know, I, again, it's, and, you know, people like Jack White, like, there's just, he's had such an, a diverse, in terms of music, diverse list of um, endorsements, and that just speaks to the diversity of his movement and the different types of people that it speaks to. So, I mean, that's going to be fucking the, uh, insane. The, there was a rally he had in South Carolina, and it was just, like, the warm-up DJ, and like the crowd, like the entire crowd yeah, was like yeah. bopping along with the fucking DJ, and it was like you know it was a bouncing in unison, it was so completely great. packed full of kids. Um, yeah, just just amazing, just amazing energy. Um, and we had a we had I've another never clip. Seen this on a presidential I don't know campaign. if you, no, no, absolutely. Uh, but there was another clip I, I had um, because this debate was so terrible. Oh yeah. Um, for reference, we wanted to play a clip of. A town hall Bernie did a couple of years ago. This was when he went down to West Virginia, uh, and he talked to some coal miners who, you know, you would think are pretty right wing in their politics. Um, not necessarily West most were self identified Trump voters, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and you have it uh, queued up right now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to play this clip. And actually, you don't even hear Bernie in this clip, but uh, it, it's it's just a great summation of the types of people that, yeah. that support Bernie. So there's some of the audience, on that uh, Chris Hayes was moderating. He is holding the mic for this guy who's talking to Bernie and Bernie's just sort of nodding the whole time at everything this guy is saying. But you know, this is, this is, you know, when, when people say Bernie's not electable because Bernie can't beat Trump, their assumption is that it, the country is full of these, you know, conservative red voters who, uh, you know, hate the idea of, socialism or democratic socialism uh and and they want nothing but to uh go on never having health care uh and just paying nothing in taxes and that's the most mm-hmm. you know that's that's the majority of the country so that's who we have to appeal to as democrats right uh and so that that's the that's the lie of course that yeah. they want us to believe so here here's somebody who i think very much represents the majority of the working class right in this country, uh, or at least independent right in this country. So I'm a retired UNWA miner, and I never dreamed that I'd get to thank you personally, myself, to for the bill that you have co-sponsored and uh, how the Senate Bill 175, the Miners Protection Act, which I'm one of those miners that will lose. Those miners that will lose his health care at the end of April if they don't pass that law. I come from local uh, 1440 in Maitland. It's a little old town on down the river where McDowell's water goes to when it leaves McDowell County. And uh, we have over, we're one of the largest locals in the UMWA. We have over 800 members, all inactive. They're all retired. So we look at things different, and, and we look at our health care and what we've already worked out. We're not going to mine any more coal. Our coal mining days are over, and we looked at to have the funds that we worked for and we'll that promise. were promised to us taken care of. That's all we asked. And it's a, I think it's kind of ironic that a senator from the Northeast <laughs> yes. takes care of my benefits better than someone like Mitch McConnell. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that you know, unbelievable. Um, and that whole—I I really wish they, they like Bernie should just put that whole town hall up on his YouTube. I'm sure MSNBC wouldn't give him the rights to it, but 
I, that whole thing was just a masterclass in how you actually talk to a room full of voters who didn't vote for the part, you know, not that they didn't vote for him, but they didn't vote for his party. Uh, you know, they voted, yeah. most of them were self-identified Trump voters and he completely <clears throat> won that room over. And just by talking to them, not talking down to them, like fucking Pete Buttigieg or Elizabeth Warren, not the shit that appeals or Hillary. Yeah, obviously Um, the shit that appeals to fucking well off, you know, business class and professional class liberals like he's that's not who he is. And that's why they fucking hate him. But that's why everyone else in the country fucking loves him, because he goes in that room and he actually talks to them where they are, like he meets them where they're at and he tells them like. You know, and he, the only thing he said in that clip was like, the guy is like, you know, we ju- we're just asking for the money that we worked for, and and he's like, the money, yeah, the money you were promised, like, and and, and it's just like he, he, it, it, it just, it's so obvious that he genuinely gives a shit, and it's such a, ob- it's such an, it's a complete outlier from anything anyone's ever experienced with politicians, and that guy, I remember watching, because I, I remember from watching this and when it aired. That guy was identified as a Trump voter. Like he wasn't, you know, a, yeah. a Democrat or any, like, you know, he voted for Trump, but he literally got up there to thank Bernie because he knew, you know, that he was fighting for him. And that's, again, it, the idea that they would nominate anybody other than him to take Trump on is it's it's just preposterous. It, it, the only, you know, the only conclusion you can draw, and we've drawn it many times, is that they don't really care about beating Trump. They would rather Trump win than Bernie at this point. And they've made it pretty obvious with all of their behind the scenes and in front of the scenes uh, machinations that they would rather have Trump win if it came down to Trump versus Bernie. It, it just couldn't be more clear at this point. Yeah. You know, and and if they do take Bernie out and we do have to burn everything to the ground, uh, you know, we still have hope, though. Um, yesterday... Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez it was the one-year anniversary when she introduced the Green New Deal as a bill um, that, of course, nobody would vote on, and they still haven't voted on, and most people in Congress haven't even read yet. <clears throat> so yesterday, uh, AOC decided to read the entire bill, which is only 14 pages long. She decided to read the entire bill into the congressional record. Right. So the, the awesome. people that think that, oh, she's just a media darling, like, oh, she's going to be a, a, a guest judge on uh, whatever the, the, the drag race show, whatever. Like, she's just drag race. in it for the, yeah. like, whatever. It, you know, she, she still is a, is a congresswoman and went to Congress and used her time to read the entire thing. Um, I, I want to hear the whole thing because it's still, it's, you know, it's, it's an outline. It's not a, a specific thing. It's like we need to have hearings on what we're going to do. That's, that is what the Green New Deal is, is the, the beginning of that process. And even that is too scary for people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, you know, the Nancy Pelosi that called it uh, the Green New Dream or whatever yeah. was her quote about it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I have, uh, I, uh, what, what is it, PMA positive mental attitude that Bernie yeah. is going to fucking crush it. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to have the South Carolina primary Saturday, and then we might record another episode on Monday before Super Tuesday. We shall if Bernie see. Wins, if Bernie wins, we'll, we'll record. If not, I don't think it's really worth coming back. But if he, if he pulls off sure. a win, that's a crazy sure. upset, and it's definitely worth talking about. Let's, let's so, yeah, a, there's a chance that you might not hear us again until after Super Tuesday. So win, lose, or draw, uh, have faith, have PMA, uh, that we're going to crush this thing. Yeah, and if you're in any of these Super Tuesday states, do everything you fucking can to 
knock doors, phone bank, all the, you know, all all the shit that you've been doing. Yeah, why um, the fuck are you listening to us right now? You should be out there canvassing <laughs> and calling and texting for Bernie right now. No, we, we we have people tell us that they listen to us as they're like en route to to canvassing and shit. So you know, we we <laughs> appreciate that. But, That's um, awesome. Yeah, no, Lee was saying that. Um, but um, you know what? They've already laid their cards on the table. They said they don't give a fuck about all of the work everyone's doing, all the money we've donated, all the time we've put in to talking to our, you know, all the all the unpaid work we've done, put just trying to convince our relatives that that Bernie is is the one to to beat Trump. Um, all the shit, all all the effort, all the fucking jobs people left to to move to go fucking volunteer for Bernie, and all the money people have, you know skewed to, to try to just make the world a better place they're willing to throw all of that away so we can't fucking let him he needs to 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 demolish these people it needs to he needs to annihilate them uh, uh, you know on all these primary days he the super tuesday needs to be a fucking bloodbath uh that no <laughs> no none of these candidates can recover from so that's that's it what does. we're that's what we're here to deliver and that's what we have to deliver for bernie on on tuesday so you know, hopefully next time you hear us, we'll be in a great fucking mood uh, either way, whether it's Monday after Bernie wins or if it's Thursday after Bernie wins. Uh, we're hopefully going to be in a great mood. But there's a very good chance that he could lock this thing up on Tuesday if things go the way, you know, we want them to. So, uh, yeah. Um, All right. On that note. Is. Yeah, we will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I forgot to do this last week. Uh, we. uh if you want to help the show out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, that helps us out uh, in the ratings. And uh, we're going to need all the ratings we can get now that Hillary Clinton is trying to encroach on our fucking uh, turf. Uh, so I, my goal is to have more five-star ratings on, on iTunes than she does. That's, that, that, that'll make me happy at the end of the day. Because like, I know that her, her podcast is going to get review-bombed, I'm sure, when she starts it. Uh, if we, even if we can maintain a higher average, that would be nice. We'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash move left. Uh, we are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash move left. Uh, we are on Patreon if you want to support the show that way. Patreon.com slash move left. Uh, merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, and I am on Twitter at bike slutty. Fight the power, everybody. Fight the power. See you next time.